Hello everyone and welcome to the inaugural podcast of Presenting Pixie Dust. This is a new podcast all about Disney by adults for adults and I am so so excited and grateful to anyone who is tuning in and listening. I'm your host Elizabeth Carr and I'm hoping that through this podcast I'll get to talk about all sorts of things like upcoming movies, the Disney parks and any sort of like Disney news and while we're self-isolating at the moment there's not much else to do. So Thank you so much for tuning in today and we're going to kick off our very first episode of Presenting Pixie Dust by talking about the latest Disney Pixar release, Onward. Dun, dun, dun. I am joined today at my kitchen table by my fiancé, Brett Harvey, who has very kindly agreed to be my first guest. Hi, Brett. Hi, everyone. How are you? So before we start talking about this movie, I'm just going to throw a little bit of a spoiler alert out there. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, you might want to do that before you listen because we are going to talk about all sorts of things that go on in this fantastic movie. Um, so what do you reckon? Shall we get into it? Sure. Fantastic. What's the name of the movie? Onward. We've said that. Oh, did you say that? Yeah, I wasn't said listening. That. You went, well, we're up to a really <laughs> great start then, aren't we? Yeah, definitely if you... Uh if you love your Disney movies and you don't like spoilers, turn away now because we've got some We're about spoilers to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. Really about to spoil it. All right, so before we start, I have written up a bit of a synopsis for the movie for context. So here's what I've got. So on Ian's 16th birthday, he and his older brother, Barley, discover that their late father was a wizard and has left them his staff and a spell that can bring him back to life for 24 hours. Barley tries, but it doesn't work. And later, Ian sort of accidentally does make the magic spell work and he finds out that he's a wizard in the process. But he only manages to do half of it right and only brings back his dad's legs before the spell is too much for him and he fails and the phoenix stone, which is making the whole spell work, explodes. And the brothers, accompanied by their dad's legs, must go on a quest to find another phoenix stone to fully bring back their dad before the magic wears off because their 24 hours starts as soon as the dad's legs appeared. Does that pretty much sum it up? That's without spoiling good. too much? No, that's without good. Without spoiling too much. Setting the scene. Setting the scene. That's exactly what we're doing here. So speaking of setting the scene, when the movie started, what did you think about the music that accompanied that very first screen of the castle and the Pixar It gave logo? me a very um, Lord of the Rings uh, kind of feel. Like the really kind of uh, – had a – like a sense of dread, actually. I started wrote off ominous. with this. Yeah, very ominous. <laughs> ominous music to start off with. It was very strange. I thought, oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? And by um, huge contrast, it, it launches into what is actually a very fun and energetic part of the movie where you, you're introduced to a time gone by where all of these. Um, what are they like? Uh, like myth- mythical, mythical creatures, creatures yeah, sort so of roam the earth. That's the context. It's actually a really good parody of um, you know times gone by in real life versus you know today's new age fandangled technology driven age, and um, and so they start by explaining that all of the characters are mythical, but um, but are actually you know full of magic, and the world's full of magic and. That has since disappeared from the the world. With the advent of technology, all that stuff's disappeared, which is interesting because I thought that it did a really good job of making it very relevant to sort of today and making it look like today's society whilst unicorns prance down the street and (laughs) that sort of stuff. Well, you know what else I noticed is that it didn't really look like any other movie. 
Like when you compare it to Disney Pixar, other mo- other Disney Pixar movies that we've got out, it just sort of looked very different. The animation style looked yeah. different. The way that the um the way that the characters looked because ordinarily you can look at a Disney movie and you know it's a Disney movie by the style of the the animation, but this one looked very different, which was interesting. Yeah, I think they um they had some really good. Um, you know, the Pixar always do a wonderful job of of their you know rendering of characters' features. So of course, you know straight away you see that the hair on the characters oh, looks beautiful. amazing. You just want to run your f- fingers through it. They look so um, soft. And to think that that was once just a blank screen, and they've created something that looks absolutely authentic. Um, you know, the big eyes. Disney are famous for their big eyed characters, mm-hmm. um, and. And also they're goofy, a bit goofy looking as well. Kind of reminded me a bit of Trolls along that sort of line. Yeah, it was a bit DreamWorksy. The style yeah. of animation it was quite DreamWorksy. Um, but every everything felt real in it, you know. And you had to sort of suspend your belief, disbelief, I should say, um, with the characters being, you know, not human. Um, but some some really funny stuff. Like you get introduced to things like unicorns and um, oh, they don't dragons. really introduce you to it. They're just there, and yep. we just kind of go, okay, cool. This is where we are. This is where we are. But they didn't really explain anything to do with the characters or anything like that. It's just we're just in there. Yep, we're just right in there. Um, like you were saying with the details, I thought the details in the animation were so beautiful. There were times when we zoomed in on. Um, the hoodie, Bali, not Bali, sorry, Ian. Ian wears a hoodie that's his dad's hoodie, and you see it in his hands, and you can see the fuzziness of the material. And when they zoom in on the Phoenix Stone when they first get it, the first one that they have, um, you zoom in on it, and just the, the, the cracks in the the cracks in the surface and everything. It's amazing to think that somebody has done that on a computer, that someone's got that sort of attention to detail, because it was beautiful. Mm. And I think the um, like. What they do is they they really set the story in something that's you know truly um, everyday. There's a the um, the mums you know a single mum. She's a- doing like Zumba in the lounge room <laughs> on the first uh, when we first meet her. She's amazing. That character was so yep. good. And in and Bali, you know they they've been fatherless their whole life, which kind of uh, underpins the story. Um, Barley, Barley knew his dad when mm-hmm. he was young, but he's only got three or four memories of um, of his dad and three good memories and then one that comes into play later on in the story, which is a real reveal. We can talk about that as we get to it. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then Ian's, you know, he's, he's missed out on his childhood with his dad. He has no memory of his dad. But he's right at that cusp of adulthood. He's, what, 16? 16. It's his Just 16th 16. birthday, yeah. yeah. And so he's got all the trappings of, you know, his interpersonal relationships with friends and, and learning to drive and all that sort of stuff. And um, so we very quickly empathise with him because I think we've all been through that mm. in some kind of way, you know. Mm. There's a lot of relatable things going on there and a lot of funny stuff too. Barley... He's a real loose cannon. I loved him. He was the MVP of this movie. He really was. He's such a cheerleader the whole movie for Ian. He just he did, he was the hype man for the whole thing. He was so so good and he's voiced by Chris Pratt, um, which was a perfect choice in casting. Ian is voiced by Tom Holland. So doing a very Spider-Man. convincing American accent. Yep. Um 
And I just, yeah, Bali was so brilliant. So, um, Bali has this very, Bali as a character is very much like your Dungeons and Dragons player, would we say that? Yeah. He's very like that sort of character. And he, being that he is so into this magic and this, but he's the real driving force of this quest that they go on because he has so much knowledge of magic and quests. So Ian just sort of has to trust him, even though they don't really, ha- they don't have anything in common, really, the two of them at the start. And nobody really trusts Bali's judgment. He is a loose cannon. That's a great way to describe yeah, him. I just wrote down that he was loose. Yeah, so <laughs> loose. And he's, you know. But Bali's like 18. He's got a car, mm, a panel van. Guinevere. Guinevere. It's the name of the yeah. car. Because everyone names their cars, don't they? Yeah. And on the side of his car is a is a big uh, phoenix, isn't it? No, unicorn. Not phoenix. <laughs> no, it wasn't a unicorn. The, the yeah, horse no, with the wings. A, uni- a no, pegasus. Sorry, pegasus. it's a pegasus. And, um, you know, he loves this thing. He's, you know, he's, he's done enough, put it together. Again, again, a very, you know, boyish, relatable thing. And, um, and he loves this car. It's like his best friend. Um, but it actually becomes a big part of the adventure as they go along. So when um, Ian gets the staff and try, starts to make his dad reappear, I thought that the, the choice that the... Um, that the writers made to make Bali really so happy for him in getting his magic. He never displays any jealousy. And you would think a sibling who's so into magic and that whole thing would be a little bit jealous that his sibling has happened to be this wizard. Be the one. Be the one. And he's never like that. The whole movie, he's so happy for him and he's so supportive and he's pumping him up. You can do it. You can, you can make this happen. And he's just, oh, he's just such a great character. Really the MVP. But can we just talk a little bit for a second about when the dad's legs appeared? Mm. Because, oh, my God, that was the most terrifying. No, that's not the most terrifying. It gets worse. But the legs, when they're walking around on the self, it was very Beetlejuicy. That's what I thought when these legs are just sort of bumping into things and I'm sitting there thinking, this is horrifying. But it gets worse because Ian then creates a body for the legs because he feels weird talking to just the legs. Made out of a jumper well, it's like and a found jumper things, and yeah, yeah, it's like, bits and pieces. And it's like stuffed, so it's like movable. It's got these long arms, but it has no face and just glasses. And it is so horrifying. And it flops to the side and it looks like something from a nightmare. I, I don't know how that passed how that, <laughs> how that passed into Disney Pixar, but it is I'll tell you how. horrible. It is so scary. Because, because everything it did was funny. Everything no, it wasn't it was, funny. No, See, I'm going to disagree with that. Uh, it was not funny. It was so scary. Everything it did was funny. It was really you scary. You will laugh. You will oh. cack yourself at these two legs that stumble around. Oh, no. No, that was – I was not on board. <laughs> that was not on board. It was horrifying. And I think, you know, um, it's you know it's it's a very different kind of premise to other movies in that respect. I think having having a character that's not all there but is still very important to the plot, they take this – Set of legs around with them everywhere. From on a down, leash. Because he leash. can't see because he's got no eyes. Yeah. And he can't hear them because he's got no ears. He's just a pair of legs. But, uh, yeah, they um, they make start to go on their journey. and So what have you got to say about their journey? Because you're riding to the hero's quest. Yeah. You love a hero's quest. I, I do. That was I wrote down that it, um, that it really, the way that they structured the storyline and the plot was really about, um, you know the concept of the hero's journey, 
And so there's there's a few things um, as we go. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got two characters that start off both brothers who are a little bit down. You know, they're kind of they're not all you know it in a bit. They've got their own problems and issues. And then um, you know, Ian needs to have trust in his brother, and it becomes pretty evident that he doesn't mm. really trust his brother because his brother's a bit loose and is a bit kind of. Um, sketchy um not in a really bad way no. but just just not uh reliable not reliable that's a not responsible not reliable that's a good way of putting they, it they they go and encounter some new um that you know there's a, a real change of uh, dynamic when they discover this magical power and they they get that choice of whether they embrace it or whether they kind of run from it and they they embrace it so they make that kind of choice to step into the void uh, they meet some characters along the way that, um, you know, that aside from being incredibly funny, but they, they provide some kind of guidance um, to, to what they're trying to achieve. Um, there's, this, there's this threat to them. So they think that they're going to find uh, this stone and it becomes evident that there's actually a curse on the second stone. Because that's, dun, a, dun, dun. that's a dramatic irony mm. in this, is that we know that there's there's another phoenix stone and um, Barley decides he knows how he's going to get it because you follow the game, the sort of Dungeons and Dragons type game that he's been playing. And they go and find Manticore, Corey, her name is, voiced by Octavia Spencer, a fabulous character, um, and she sort of tells them where to go but forgets to tell them that there's a curse on this second phoenix <laughs> stone that if if they get it then they're going to release this dragon creature because the phoenix stone is cursed they don't know where this phoenix stone is they just sort of have a, a bit some clues it's like a scavenger hunt of clues that they sort of find along the way mm. yeah and both Corey and ian share a part in deciphering the the clues as they go along it turns out that ian's quite good at it but he he you know his brother is seemingly unafraid of of the, these um challenges um and is more willing to take the you know the um the dangerous uh path whereas ian has to sort of give in to himself and and have some trust and you know again stepping into the void and without you know looking back and so it's really clever the way that they do that um so there's two sort of alternating storylines that are happening throughout this movie. Mm. There's Ian and Barley and the dad who we're following in the, in Guinevere. There's also um, the mum, Ian and Barley's mum, Laurel, who's decided that she's got to go and get her kids because they're acting like fools and they're going to do something dangerous. And she's got to go and get them, so she teams up with Corey the Manticore. And there's also another really great character, yes. um, a policeman, a, yeah. poli- a centaur policeman. A centaur policeman. His name is, oh, what did I write? Colt, obviously. Uh, Bronco. Colt. Bronco? Are you sure? Yeah, I think so. No, I'm pretty sure He had a badge Colt. that said Bronco. Just gonna say. All right. No, I'm pretty sure it's cold. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he's really great too, and he's dating the mum. Oh, there's a plot twist. Oh, he's dun, dating dun, dun. the mum because uh, it's 2020. And speaking of 2020, we had Disney's mm. first official LGBTQ character in a animated movie, and it was such a fleeting moment that if you weren't paying attention, you would probably have missed it. But um, Ian and Barley get pulled over 
by, by a, the cops by the cops because they're driving erratically because madness ensues on this journey. Um, they get pulled over by the cops, and they're both the cops are female, which I thought was an interesting choice. And one of them mentions her girlfriend's daughter, and I thought, oh well, there you go. It was just sort of a very little subtle nod. Just a little nod. It wasn't made a big deal of or anything. It was just a passing comment that we notice because we're very aware yeah, of those I think, things. I think that it's Disney's just um, making it part of their lingo. Yeah, moving with the times. Making it part of their dialogue to ha- include those characters. Um, but, you know, we, we know Disney very well and we, we know that it's not something that – it's going to be – a a concept that they're going to uh, try to invest in with some trepidation. I don't think we're going to – they're not just going to come out per se and have a character that's uh, raging homosexual or anything like that. In an animated movie. In an animated movie, but they're going to ease their way into it. I think that's where they're doing that here. Yeah, and it was a really good choice by them, I think, to do that. Uh, There was a nice little throwback in animation for people that are listening that have seen – the real old classic Disney movies. It was the one moment where I thought, oh, this reminds me of something, of something that I've seen. And they go, um, they have to get the Manticore's sword back because she's pawned it at a pawn shop. So they go to a pawn shop, uh, Laurel, who's the mum, and the Manticore go to the pawn shop and they speak to the lady behind the counter. And the lady's face, the way that they've drawn this, I think she's a goblin, maybe a goblin, yeah, some green goblin y type creature. Yeah. This lady's face is so reminiscent of the bat in Basil the Great Mouse Detective, which was a terrifying, horrifying Disney movie in like the late 80s. Let's say late 80s. I reckon that's when it was. But it's scary. And this bat in this movie is so scary, but her face... The way that her you know, face is structured and this protruding mouth that this goblin has was so reminiscent of that. And I thought, mm. oh, there you go. There you go. Basil the Great Mouse Detective. Great one to watch if you haven't watched it before. Uh, yeah, so this um, there's a reveal in the storyline where um, Ian admits that he thinks his brother's a bit of a screw-up. Yeah, and this, because he's got this spell on him where he can't yeah. lie. And, and so... Uh, Barley finds out very quickly what he really thinks of yeah. him. Yeah, and we sort of see that, you know, his brother is really hurt by this. Um, but it doesn't slow the story down because it's got to keep rolling. And um, Yeah, Barley moves on from that very, yeah. very quickly. But <laughs> there's a really, really quickly. Just, just after this, um, you know, there's a terrific scene where um, Ian's trying to make some more petrol in a petrol can by making the petrol can bigger using magic. And that's Barley's idea and it was a great idea because acts, if the petrol can gets yeah. bigger, then the petrol inside it's going to get bigger and then they'll have and more to put in the car. So he, so he accidentally shrinks his brother. He shrinks Barley down to about, I don't know, the size of a G.I. Like Joe. I shrunk the kids. Yeah. yeah. And so that's incredibly funny. And they end up um, being chased by a motorcycle gang mm-hmm. of female pixies. Yes. Who are all bike it up, uh, which is quite funny, and um, but I think there's some some really important messages in that they they talk. It sort of speaks about trusting yourself, yeah, and trusting in others. So Ian puts his faith in Barley when Barley wants to go off the beaten track. He wants to go off the freeway into the unknown because the 
clear way is never the right way the, in these the, quests. Yeah, so they get they, they, it's a really clear, um, I guess, metaphor is the the highway versus the old rickety track. And so Ian wants to stick to the highway because it's predictable. And it's going to get them there faster the as well because they're on in, they're in yeah. time constraints. They've got to get this other Phoenix Stone within 24 hours. Otherwise, their dad's just going to disappear. The legs are going to disappear and they'll never get to talk to him. Mm. And Ian is so driven by getting to have a relationship with his father. He's got this list. He yep. has a list of all these things he wants to do with his dad. And as the time keeps going by and ticking slowly, he has to keep crossing things off the list because they're not going to have time to do them so they break the rules together they they speed off um away from the cops and that's another part of this this plot line is uh, you know trusting in yourself and others breaking the rules and then his brother does something really cool but crazy they're being chased by the cops and he sacrifices his van oh, for the for the good of the quest. He sacrifices his van. His van gets crushed by rocks, and it's a very it's one of those moments where you go, oh. But because that's Bali's big sacrifice. Yep. He's made this huge sacrifice, the one thing that he has and the one thing that he cares about. But speaking of that police chase, there were so many really um, great suspenseful moments in this movie like mm. really suspenseful where you like I audibly gasped yep. a few times when things happened because there was just there was so much suspense which again mm. is not really something that we get a lot of in Disney <laughs> Pixar movies but there was so much suspense in this very action packed it was there's a wonderful moment where they have to c- cross this chasm um, another like classic heroes quest yeah. um, metaphor it was very like Indiana Jones yeah. wasn't it yeah so he so his brother um, convinces Ian to use magic to be able to make an invisible bridge that he can step on. No one else can see it and he has to have faith. And so. Bali's fully into this. He yeah. knows that it's going to work. He's sure that it's going to work. But just because just because Ian's not sure, they do tie a rope around him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to make sure he's not because he does fall into the chasm the first time. Yeah. So lucky he had the rope. And so he goes out, he, he starts crossing this invisible bridge uh, Very reminiscent gets, of Gets Indiana about Jones. halfway across. The tension's all there. Mm. And then this rope's getting to the end of the rope. It starts undoing. Comes loose. And so he, he, he Ian keeps going Because he doesn't across know. You know without what? the rope. It's very much like Dumbo in that respect. Dumbo thought he needed the feather to fly and he wasn't going to fly if he didn't, didn't have the feather. And then, yeah, little Tim, Timothy the little mouse. And so you never needed the feather. Mm. You never needed the feather to do it. And so, they, of course, he gets to the other side. Turns around. Turns around, <laughs> freaks out. Falls. Uh, and, yeah, they they realise that, you know, I guess if he believes in himself, well, he can, he can do it without having someone else there to hold his hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, now the thing, the other thing I wrote down there was that um, there's a bit of a reveal from Bali. His fourth, I mentioned his... Four good memories, four memories of his dad. And Ian only thinks he has three. Yeah. So he's told Ian his whole life he's got three memories of the dad. And one was, oh, this was so beautiful. One was that he would tap on his dad's shoes. 
Mm. They would, he would play the drums on his dad's shoes. So then when the dad's legs appear and there's he can't communicate with them, that's how they um, let him know that they're there, by tapping on his feet. See, something – sorry to interrupt you on, on what you were saying, but something that um, was great about this movie was every single decision that was made storyline-wise was so intentional because mm. it all fit together like a jigsaw. Yep. There was not one thing that was just a bit of a throwaway um, comment or a throwaway sort of piece of history that we were given, everything came into play later. Mm. It was so intentional, so brilliantly written. Sorry, what were you saying? So the reveal, <laughs> dun, 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 Barley has regrets about not saying goodbye to his dad oh. on the, on his dad's deathbed, um, which is one of those really, real poignant moments where you realise, you know, that, that he's partly the reason he's so courageous is actually because he's decided to not indulge in fear Never be after this again. after oh. this very you know uh, life-changing moment where he had he'd given into his fear and had neglected to say goodbye to his dad so he's always regretted that and and so um, that becomes a really big part of the ending of the story. Yeah. So as the as we're going along through this this journey, they eventually um, they they have this moment where they think they're just not going to have time. They're not going to have time to do it. And Ian gets his list out and he's checking things off mm. that he's not going to be able to do. And then oh, it was just like the most beautiful moment. He realizes that he's already done all those things. See, I'm going to cry now because it's <laughs> so ridiculous. Sorry, I'm a crier. Um, he's already done all those things with his brother, so he doesn't need – oh, you say you – say Well, he's never he's probably, needed his he's dad. He's never needed his dad because, because his he's brother's his brother. taken the place. And I think that, that like that's a really crucial part of the story is the lesson that sometimes it's not your father who is your dad, you know, that his brother's always been there for him and – taught him the same kind of things that his dad would have done. And you know what? It was very much in that moment I thought it's like Frozen for boys because, mm. you know, in Frozen we have that thing at the end where Anna realises her sister's her true love and then, oh, my God, I'm such a cry. Sorry <laughs> that her sister's her true love and so she doesn't need she doesn't need Hans, Hans to kiss her mm. because her sister's her true love. And then... This was the same thing. It just sort of felt like that that brother that brother bond because Frozen sort of gave that to us with sisters and and this movie has given it to us with brothers. Indeed. So I, I think that maybe we shouldn't say what happens at the end. No, I feel like I'm yeah, I feel like I'm prepared to leave that. I think part. that we can't say what happens yeah. at the end. Didn't, didn't inv- it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. It is beautiful. I got a bit teary watching it. Oh, I got teary. I got teary, but that's not unusual. I get teary talking <laughs> about things. Yes, I mean we've given a lot of spoilers so far, but I think we'll leave the end We're because leave the end, you know yeah. um, it's such a wonderful. Mo- I like. I just think like imagine the storyboard of, of this movie. <laughs> just as a technical, there is just so yeah. much going on. Um, plots, subplots, you know, um, all of the, all of the. Um, you know, plot points from the hero's journey, um, the intertwined characters, and it's just such a clever modern movie. It's just yeah, yeah. and I I don't think there was I was entertained for the whole 
Hour yeah. and a, how long did it go for? Hour and a half? Yeah, so we watched it via digital download yep. and we made the – because we can't watch, we can't go to the cinemas. We would have gone to the movies to see it, but – Here we are. Self-isolation. So we're really lucky that Disney released it early to um, – to, uh, digital download and then it's coming to disney plus i think next week yep. as well so that's really good news for everyone who, anyone who hasn't seen it and wants to would definitely recommend it so quick question who's your favorite character oh god uh, may i mean i'll be out of the main characters obviously barley was um incredible yeah he reminds me a bit of me actually oh, of course he does well no you know like you <laughs> you, you empathize with with certain characters um it's hard for me to empathise with a, a centaur policeman because I've not ever been a centaur policeman. But um, a policeman, yes, but never a centaur. One. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I love the little pixies in it. I yeah, thought they, they were, were cool. a terrific touch. Yeah, great comic relief. Um, there was, you know, they had to fight a big enemy near the end there, which was a dragon, but it wasn't. A dragon. It was. It wasn't a dragon. That's like a, and, uh, yeah, like a, an existing character. It kind of co- was conjured up yeah. by this curse, and I think that was cool because you know it meant that um, they like could it wasn't they, a they could defeat under the ground that's going to yeah, come up that's been sleeping for however long. But it they is. could defeat this enemy without actually any kind of real violence. There's no yeah. blood, no gore, no. nothing like that. Um, but yeah. That's what, what about you? Oh, I loved Barley. I really did. I didn't think I'd like him that much when it started, but then well, as it he reminded me, remind yeah, you because of he me. reminded me of you, <laughs> and I just didn't think that I'd like him that much. No, um, I just you know because he was just a lot right at the start. Yeah. He was a lot, and then but then as it went on, and he was just so beautiful and supportive, and was never jealous, and who was just yeah, he just had such a great heart. So Barley was my favorite character. My other favorite character was their mum, though. Because their oh, yeah. mum was such a – was played so well by – voiced by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah. who we didn't pick throughout that whole movie. And we had just watched Seinfeld. We watch a lot of Seinfeld. We watched a lot of Seinfeld. And I did not pick that voice at all. So, um, yeah, she was great. The mum, Laurel, was, was really cool mm. as well. And, oh, you know what? I did like the cult – even though you say Bronco, we'll have to check. We'll yeah, have to do a Google. We'll do I'm going to do a Google while right. we talk. I was going to um, say that the um, like I was never bored during the movie. No. There was no real down down points where like um, you know things kind of you know they had the foot on the gas the whole way. Really, yeah, and, they really did. And I was you know if you, if you rate a movie by how captivated you were, like the whole Colt thing. Bronco, we were both right. Uh, Colt Bronco. <laughs> Colt Bronco is his name. There you go. There we go. And. Um, yeah, so that was great. The animation, of course, Pixar, oh, fantastic. Like 10 out of 10 for animation. What would you give the movie out of 10? 10 out of 10 for animation. I think um, like the the plot, look, you'd, you'd give it a 10 out of 10 as well. You really liked it. Oh, yeah. And I think like, you know, obviously it involves a lot of voice actors and they were all spot on for their role, mm. like absolutely spot on. Yeah, so you give it 10 out of 10 for that. Um, but you know, so I'd be giving it something close to ten out of ten all around. That's amazing. And if like if you if we're talking about watchability, would yeah. I watch it again? Would you watch it again? Absolutely. Yeah. Would I recommend it to a friend? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
We wouldn't be making a podcast about it, probably. <laughs> well, we would. We'd just be re- – Would be. it's great that we're starting with something positive because – It's all downhill from here. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I – would you like to know what I think? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I thought that – same as you, I thought the animation was beautiful. I thought that the story was very clever. Did I connect to it? Like, oh, not Honey, as much. I know, but maybe the that's tears a, in your eyes uh, you know what? spoke volumes. That does not. It does not take much. I cry all the time. But no, it was a really good movie. It was very good. Would I watch it again? Would I say, oh, you know what I'm going to watch? Onward. Um, maybe, maybe, probably. But it's not like for me. I just sort of compare everything to Frozen. And Frozen was so perfect. And I connected so much with that because I have sisters and everything. And onward, you've got brothers. So that's probably something that connects you really well with that movie because you can relate to that sort of brotherly dynamic, whereas I don't have brothers. Um, but it was very good. I think out of 10, I would probably give it a 7. It's a good solid oh, really? 7. Yeah, yeah okay. good solid 7 out of 10. It was great. Um, it did keep me uh, interested the whole way through. Would I watch it again? Meh, maybe not. Maybe. It was good. I don't know. This is, I think you would. <laughs> I would watch it again. Like, it wasn't a bad movie. I would watch it again, but it's not up there on my list of favourites. It was very good, though. Mm. I'm glad that I watched it because it was entertaining. I mean, we, we took notes during the movie. We so did, so that we wouldn't forget anything. I think it'd be worth watching again without the pen and paper. Without <laughs> needing to analyse it as I yeah. go. Yeah. I didn't take that many notes, really. I only took a few, and I said all the things that I... Oh, you know what else was really good? Sorry, there was two things that I didn't say on my notes. The first one... Was there was a lot of, and I know this sounds strange being that it's a movie about mythical creatures, but there was a lot of representation <laughs> within the movie. Mm. Like there were lots of different kinds of creatures, and there was a guy on crutches that obviously had some sort of like, I don't know, like uh, cerebral palsy or something, one of the characters. Yeah. or so, so there was a good amount of representation, which sounds ridiculous because they're mythical creatures, but you know what I mean? As you were watching it, you were like, okay. This is very a very and big characters and small characters and you know mm. fat characters and thin characters and everything and that was really good. The other thing, maybe this is why I didn't like it as much. A lot of the times I was sitting there watching it, going, "That would have been a perfect place to put in a song." I was waiting for them to start yeah, singing. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I was waiting. There was times yeah. when the music sort of made led me to believe that oh, they're about to start singing, and then they didn't. And so maybe if there was music, maybe if there was singing. I would have gone, oh, yeah, there you go. There was only a couple of points in the movie where there was montages. Yeah. Um, Right at the start uh, was one of them. And I think that, um, yeah, like you kind of were thinking that there were parts that were building up to To a a song. song. (laughs) And there was no song. There was no song, no. Um, But then again, uh, like... Who would have sung the song? The characters? Yeah, I don't think, obviously. I don't know if it would have... Like Frozen. I don't know if it would have really worked for There it. was a time... Oh, because there, there were a few times where I was just waiting for Ian to open his mouth and start singing. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for it and then it just didn't happen. So maybe that was what was missing for me. Because the storyline was great. The movie was very good. It was just... I didn't... Mm. I wanted some singing. What do you think about the, the name of the movie? Onward. Well, there was only a couple of times that they... There was a couple of times where Barley actually yeah. said it. Instead of having a D... For drive in Guinevere, there was an O for onward. Yeah. And I thought, okay, cool. I don't know. Well, what else would you call it? Onward. Because uh, we knew nothing about this movie going mm. in. Nothing at all. We And I very intentionally didn't look at anything because I didn't want any sort of preconceived ideas. I wanted to go in fresh. And 
I had no idea what it was going to be about and the name gave nothing away. Mm. I feel but it is a classic Disney uh, using a um, an adge- adjective, is it the right one? Yeah, an adjective as a... Adjective is a describing word? Yeah. You're talking about a verb, a doing word? Well, this one's a verb, but I normally on, they're... onward. Is it onward. A, but is it used like as a verb frozen, or an adjective? Frozen, tangled, brave, onward, <laughs> you know. They, you know, it's it's a very classic uh, yeah. sort of True. title. It doesn't give much I do away. know what an adjective is. I am a teacher. I do ah. know what an adjective <laughs> is, but I was just trying to think of if that was the right word to use in that place. Nah. No. Great, great, great movie. <laughs> great movie. Well done. Disney, well done. Pixar. Yeah. I must be more easily, um, easily entertained. No, it was very good. I liked it. I just wanted singing. I reckon if it had singing, I, I would have bumped up the uh I could see where you could have a lot of – there could have been a lot of opportunities for singing. Obviously, the main characters could each have had their songs. But, like, those little – the little biker pixies could have had their song. Yes. And the, the police the officers could have – needed a song. Yeah, the manticore. She was great. She was really good and she could have sang. <laughs> um, the, the manticore owned a, owned a restaurant – um, which looked a lot like an Apple Applebee's. Yeah, it was like a, like a themed restaurant. Yeah, and yeah, she could have like had a, a song. She could have had a, a song there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, you might have to write a letter, honey. I'll write a letter, dear Mister Pixar. <laughs> I have some thoughts. No, it was very good. I'll change my score because I did say seven. That's probably too low. Maybe like seven and a half. Mm. Seven and a half. It was a really good movie. Three yep. out of four. That's good. Yeah. I, I thought a lot of great messages in there. A lot of great me- messages for people um, about, you know, helping each other, about, you know, the importance of the people who are there with you and for you. Hmm. Um, not always the people that you think about. Um, so don't take advantage of them. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, working together, like the teamwork between the two boys um and even between the mum and the manticore yeah um you know with the same kind of thing um the stepdad you know um bronco what's his name Colt Colt bronco, bronco. <laughs> you know he 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 was a good stepdad he was great and i think that's really and important and the boys liked him too yeah. they didn't like just dislike him no but there was no begrudging dad. no um and he was really really funny too yeah. good comic relief yeah yeah so i think some great messages there mm. So, would we recommend people go and watch it? What Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was really good. Especially, I would love to see it at the movies. Yeah. yeah. I hope that maybe they re-release it. Not um, once it's on Disney+, Plus. I don't think that they'll re-release it. <sighs> I'd but still you know go what? and see maybe. it at the movies. Maybe short, A short limited run or something. Yeah. You know, I'd go out and see it at the movies. Yeah. So, once it's on Disney+, Plus, we thoroughly recommend everyone getting on and having a watch, having a listen, and um, and you can... Let us know your thoughts. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of Presenting Pixie Dust. Thank you to Brett Harvey, our my fearless co-star today. My pleasure. I can't have anyone else because we're in social isolation. <laughs> no, I would have had him anyway. He's wonderful. Um, so thank you all for tuning in and listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.